13. And um, I'd like to start at verse 25. Psalm 119, 25, the Bible says there, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the walk of thy precepts. And so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Remove from me the way of lying. And grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. And... uh, There is a lot that's just in those eight verses right there. And uh, I want to preach to you here uh, this morning uh, when life clings to the dust. Let's ask the Lord to minister here today through His Word. Lord, I'm thankful again for Your presence. I pray, Lord, today, God, that this Word would... Lord, not only encourage, but that it would convict at the same time. We know, Lord, that your word, God, is a strong and a steady foundation for our lives. I pray, Lord, today, God, let these words, Lord, leap, God, not from my mouth, but from my soul. I pray, God, that there would be authority, Lord, that would be Jesus expressed, Lord, in your word. We know, God, that you have the ability, Lord, to do that. And I pray, Lord, that today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. A lot of the hymns and songs and even praise courses that we sing, um, they... Uh, often behind them there are very rich stories uh, that these uh, songs have in behind them. There, there's a song that that you sing and tell you the story behind the song and then you'll recognize it. And um, that's this, is that in the 1880s, Uh, This song found its way into a hymn, or a hymnal rather, in 1882, not too long after a woman uh, whose name was Louisa Stead had encountered a very challenging and difficult uh, trial in her life. She and her husband and four-year-old daughter, they lived in Long Island, New York, and And one day they just decided that they would go on a uh, picnic there near the Hudson River. When they got there at the picnic, they started uh, becoming aware that there was a child that had slipped into the river there. 
and uh, that child ended up with 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 drowning. But uh, the mo- the worst part, perhaps, of the story was this: was that uh, Louisa's husband he uh, jumped into the river to try to save the child, and as it often takes place, a drowning person can even take down the one that has been sent to rescue them, and that is what took place there in that day there somewhere before 1882. And so it was that just in just a very the afternoon that, that Louisa and, and uh, her whole, the scope of her entire life was drastically changed because she lost her husband, and now she became a single parent and uh, at the, literally in the grips of poverty. One day she came out and opened the door up to her apartment, and there on the steps there in, at the apartment door, there was a basket, and uh, there inside of that basket was some food that was wrapped up, and then there was an envelope, and inside of that envelope was an encouraging message, but there was also uh, some cash that was there and, and uh, told her, we feel your pain and, and we pray that this food and this gift may be able to help you in some form or fashion. It was out of that day that that event that took place in uh, her mind that she sat down and she began to find that out of the whirling why of life that she sat down and she penned a hymn that probably a lot of us have sang here in this congregation today and that song is tis so sweet to trust in Jesus tis so sweet to take him at his word she would end up she would be a missionary and she would go to South Africa she would spend some time there and then later on she would end up over in the area of Rhodesia which was in Africa as well but there's something about it that there's times where that all of us find ourselves in the place as the scripture says that uh, Psalm 119 and 25 from the Amplified says my earthly life cleaves to the dust revive and stimulate me according to your word the ESV says it like this my soul clings to the dust give me life according to uh, your word all of us here this morning you will find yourself literally at that place that verse 25 brings us to. It doesn't matter whether your relationship with God is strong or whether it is uh, mediocre or whether it is even non-existent. There are times where that life seems to grind its heels literally on top of your head, but perhaps even more painful is there on your soul. I've mentioned to you before and as other preachers have said that Psalm 119 is written in an acrostic fashion and you can see there in your own Bible where that those words there that appear above that and you think well I don't know what those words mean that's a good reason because I don't know what they are either uh, but those are the Hebrew letters of their alphabet 22 characters and they 
are written there as an acrostic. We don't see it so much in the English language, but if you could read the Hebrew language, it would be very clear that this was laid out in an acrostic form. Another chapter in your Bible is is Lamentations chapter 3 and uh, 66 verses. It's not as lengthy as Psalm 119, but again is laid out in that same manner, in that same fashion. There's other Psalms that you find there uh, that are written in that same manner. But this segment that I am wanting to preach to you here this morning tells us us that there are often two directions of life that a child of God will find himself having to endure. It speaks of the depressions of that child of God, but it also speaks to the duties of that child of God as well. And I have a feeling that whenever we get to heaven that we are going to be able to thank God for the fact that not only has it been our depressions, but it has also being our duties that has caused us to find a place literally of salvation. I think perhaps that most of us probably key in more so to the fact that the depressions of life that you think how in the world can these things have an impact on my relationship with God but I'll just tell you how that works is that whenever depression comes into your life there are feelings that, that as you come out of that. They're, they're the emotions that you sensed while you were on the low level or even in the darkest valley that whenever you find yourself in a place of worship, then because you experience those times in that moment that it just makes worship that much more powerful and that much more meaningful. And I would also say as well for the duties of life that there's sometimes that we wish that we could shirk off the duties and the responsibilities that we have. And as David says at another place in the Psalms, he said, if I was like a bird, he said, I'd fly off out into the desert. If I was like an owl of the desert, I would leave where that I'm at. All of us face those times in our lives. You'll face it in the morning whenever your alarm clock goes off or for all the old folks that don't need an alarm clock. We woke up so early now that we just wake up at 5.45 and you think it's Saturday, I'm going to sleep late. But no, it doesn't happen like that. So you just go ahead and just wake up and just get with the program. But but those Monday mornings, whenever you have to go uh, to a job or the responsibilities that you have financially or even there to your families, we don't realize it, but those things create channels of life that create stability for every single one of us. I want to point out some of the things that are here in uh, these verses here this morning. Look with me there to verse 25. The Bible says there, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes, and make me to understand the way of thy precepts, and so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to your word. 
depression can be a tough experience for any person to live with. In fact, if you were to describe it, you would say, what is depression like? It's in that point where that you feel like that life is not right side up. But you feel like that there's other times where that you have to look up to see down. All of us get to those places. But the psalmist, he points it out. He said, here are some of the conditions of depression. In verse 25, you see that there is humiliation that sometimes comes with that depression. In verse 28, there's a weariness that can come with it as well. And then verse 29, there are temptations that can come to us while that we are in a state, in a place of temptation. And then in verse 31, that there are other times that depression can usher in disappointments of life. If ever there needed to be a time of sober thinking, it is now. Because when you get into that place and in that state, and I have become even more aware of it as I have aged. I didn't notice it too much when I was in my 20s and 30s. But whenever I got into my 40s, I started noticing the fact that you have got to sometimes just talk to yourself and you've got to tell yourself you can't go in this direction or in that direction. What are you doing when you do that? You're doing what the Apostle Paul said, that you're taking captive every thought and you're saying I'm not going to let my life go in that particular place. I want to tell you this, that one of the things that you can do is to fill up your life with praise and worship. And uh, generally that can happen when you start listening to the right kinds of music. That there are things that even in the midst of the humiliation and the weariness and the temptation and the disappointments of life. That you can find yourself saying that you know what if I can worship God through this. If I can find somewhere that there is mercy that has been granted to me in my life. Do you realize now that this service that you're in here this morning is a privilege for you to be able to be here. There are people here this morning that are locked up in jails and others are in prisons. There are others that are in hospitals. There are others that are in nursing homes. There are others that are in places where that they would love to trade where they're at to be where that you are and so if you walk in here on a low limb I'm just going to tell you that it may not take care of the situations of life but if you will get your hands up and you will open your mouth and there will be an engagement that you have in worship then there's power that the Lord can bring to uh, your life. Experiencing depression is never an indicator that you are a lesser saint of God. It is what you do with that depression that causes you to have the greatest accomplishments there that's in your life. Charles Spurgeon, one of the old preachers in centuries gone by in the 1800s, there are books, multiple books that have been written about the fact about how that he grappled with depression and challenging days. And, and yet through all of that, there was a prevailing sense of strength. And whenever you start looking at some of the things that was accomplished there in the Metropolitan Tabernacle, that there was an orphanage that came out of that. There was a book coming 
company that came out of that. There was a pastor's school that came out of that. And yet the man that was at the top of the ladder there battled with darkness that was inside of his soul and his spirit. The psalmist, he tells us, he said, I'm going to tell you something. There is a part where the, the depression is not superficial. You say, how do you know that? Because verse 25 says that my soul cleaveth to the dust. It's a place where it gets down on the inside of you. And what happens sometimes to people that get depressed is they want to start shirking their responsibilities. They want to say, well, I don't need to be reading the Word of God. I don't need to be praying. I don't need to go to church. But those are things that somehow, and uh, again, Brother Wells got on it in our Sunday school class this morning. I'm telling you today about spiritual weapons. They're not carnal. They're not like other means that the world would bring to you. But finding places of prayer and interaction with the scriptures and even corporate worship. There's things that comes in to our lives and to our spirits. Christian Standard Bible says that life is down in the dust. The New International Version says, I am laid low in the dust. The New Living Translation says, I lie in the dust and then the net Bible says I am collapsed in the dust but here is what the psalmist is saying he's saying I have been glued to the dust I have been cemented to the dust I have been melded there to the dust depression can hurt us it can bring pain into our lives it showers us at times with tears and it causes heartache to find its way in to our lives. But here's what the enemy does. And he's been watching now for 6,000 years. He gets people into a place of depression. And here's what he does. He causes them to fall into a place of deadness. You say, how in the world do you know that? Because here is what the psalmist cries there in verse 25. He says, quicken thou me. What is he saying? He's saying, bring life into me. And there are times whenever the enemy can come in to your life. And what does he do? He tries to get external circumstances to cause us to internally struggle with worship. And there can be deadness that comes in to those particular times. We can entertain thoughts of quitting or bailing out or stopping during that period of time. Why is it? It's because there is a deadness that is there. I want to tell you here today day every single one of you here in this sanctuary there's somebody that is riding on your life there are people that they have confidence in you and if you bail out and quit the marriage if you bail out and you quit God there will be people whose lives will be called up in that moment and so it is that we have to continue to say you know what 
I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to resign from life. I'm not just going to just let my life just kind of slowly fade out in, in my service to the Lord. But not only does it bring a sense of deadness to us, but there can also be another part that it does. And what it does is it causes us to distort the truth of God. You say, how do you know that? Because here's what he says. He said, make me to understand your precepts. Depression can cause you to look at Scripture in a bad way. It can cause your mind and your spirit to find itself in a place where that you question the love of God and you question the purpose of life and you question the things that God has innately dropped in to your heart and into your life. And so the psalmist comes along and he says that's the key with depression. That's what depression does is it causes us to be in a place of deadness and it causes us to be in a place where we distort those things that are there. That's why we can't afford. If you ever wonder sometimes why we sing a song a hundred times or why we preach long sermons or why we have long prayer times is because what we're doing is we're trying to stimulate life that would come back into your heart and into your spirit. And only the carnal are the ones that's watching the clock. <laughs> carnal folks watch the clock. Nobody was watching the clocks most of the time at the worship services yesterday. They won't be watching the clock today at the worship services, but they come into a spiritual worship service and they have a tendency to watch the clock whenever the Lord is trying to breathe some life back into your heart and into your spirit. But he comes along and he says, I want to, want to just tell you something. He said, if I can confess this place, here's what he does. Look there at verse 26. <coughs> he says, I have declared my ways. I poured my soul out, Lord. I've told you my troubles and my problems and my dilemmas of life. I am confessing those things to you and what takes place whenever we begin to confess those things to the Lord. I'm telling you what I know is here's what the psalmist says, Thou Thou hurt, thou hurtest me. Telling the Lord is a, is a very key matter in your life. Do we need to have friends? Oh yeah, we need to have friends. We need to have, we need to have people that we hold in confidence that we can talk to. And yet the Bible tells us that whenever we come and we tell the Lord our problems, that there are things that the Lord can work out in our hearts and in our lives. The Bible tells us in... Matthew chapter 14 and verse 12, it said whenever John the Baptist was beheaded that his discouraged disciples, what does the scripture say? It says that they went and told Jesus there's something about finding a place of prayer. Whenever it seems like that the greatest voice of your life has been snuffed out, confess your place in life to the Lord. Confess to the Lord the troubles that are weighing you down. Confess to the Lord the situation of life. And what happens is the Lord hears that. But here's something else that the Lord does. The Lord uses His work and His Word to correct that. Because here, here notice what 
the psalmist is saying in verses 25 and 28. He says, quicken thou me. And then he goes on and he says, strengthen thou me. One of the best ways to cure the depression of soul is to find the answers in the Word of God. And that's why the enemy is a liar. Because what he wants to do is he wants to take the truth and, and manipulate the truth of the Word of God. What do we find out is we find that, that there's more than just kind of spasmodically reading the Word. We need to read the Word. Yes, we do. And yet we're commanded to study the Word. Psalm 19 and 10, I can't get away from that and I've reminded you of that a number of times, but we are to seek out the Word of God more than even all the gold in the world and the monetary. So why is that? It's because this Word is going to stand forever. What did David do in 1 Samuel chapter 30? Here's what the Bible says, that he encouraged himself in the Lord. Their, your, your Bible is loaded with promises and I have, have made reference to this recently that, that your Bible is more than just a book. It's a war manual. And when you start digging around and looking at the promises that the Lord has brought there into your life, I'm going to tell you something. The Word has a certain way about it. You, twice in that section there, those 25 through 32, here is what that the psalmist writes. He says, according to your Word. It's in verse 25 and it is in verse 28. And what is he saying? He's saying, I'm going to tell you, there are some right ways to deal with depression. There are some ways that you can deal with this particular thing. Now the world, they want to deal with their depression in a lot of different ways. They want to use alcohol. They want to use drugs. They want to use immorality because what they're seeking is they're looking for superficial ways to fix the depression that they have in their lives. But just know this. It may work temporarily, but in the end they get back to square one. True relief of depression is only going to take place in your life whenever you are willing and to know this, that sometimes the best medicine is what's hardest to take. And we about lost those days. In fact, I, I, it was gone before I grew up, but I think some of you older folks here that apparently uh, years ago, back in the springtime, that your parents, uh, they'd either get out castor oil or witch hazel. And uh, they say that, that was good for whatever, that was, that was a great cure for whatever was ailing you. And I've heard stories about, about where that they would, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you want a child to take medicine, sometimes you can hold their nose and, uh, or you can blow in their face. And that's what we would do at the hospital sometimes. You'd give a child some medicine and they'd try to go to spitting and all that sort of stuff, they didn't want to take it because it tastes so bad. But if you blow in their face, they'd have to swallow it down before they were able to spit it back out at you. Here's the thing about the Word of God. 
I'm going to tell you this, the Word of God can fix depression, especially if that depression is being ushered into your life by sin because what does it do? The Word of God tells us to repent. The Word of God tells us to draw into a place. But here's where we're at. We'd rather fix it with a drink. We'd rather fix it with an immoral relationship. We'd rather fix it with a drug. When the Lord is saying, if you'll just turn your life in my direction, if you'll just come toward me, I can take care of that. Cast your cares upon the Lord because He cares for you. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Take my yoke upon me. Why? You that are weary and heavy laden, if you'll get up under the yoke with the Lord, my burden is my burden is light. And my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But you say, oh, church, repentance, memorizing scripture, prayer. I'm just going to tell you, I've lived this thing long enough that I've looked around at the world and I wouldn't trade where I'm at with the richest man in this world because there are things that have been woven in to our hearts and to our souls that puts us light years ahead spiritually of those and as we get closer to our graves I'm going to tell you what our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ our loyalty to the house of God our, our relationship that we have even with brothers and sisters in the house of God those are the things that keep drawing me on. And uh, I mentioned this the other night at the prayer revival. And uh, I we were singing, and uh, <laughs> this is probably not, but anyways, whatever. Uh, I'd go teach Sister Hobbs, and, and I didn't teach her the lesson. I just read the Bible to her, and we'd sit there and, and she talked to me. And then Sister McCarla wanted me to teach Sunday school lesson to her. And then she'd sing to me. And one of the songs that they sung here uh, this morning was one of the songs that she just spontaneous one day. She said, uh, would, you, would you like to sing with me? And I mean, what else can you say? Yes, ma'am, I, I want to so I can sing with you. And, and uh, so we just started singing right there in uh, her living room. And then uh, I thought about Sister Eisler and going out to her house and teaching her her Sunday school lesson. Right now I'm just talking to you. Y'all think sometimes that it's glamorous and it's high. That those are the things you do during the week that nobody else sees you doing. And, and, and I got to thinking about those times. And then Sister Chumney, uh, times that she would call me. And I thought about her. Uh, as well this week and I drive down all the way to Madrid and then get to the end of the, the pavement and drive on down the rest of that dirt road there and I'd park there in that little uh, in her kitchen there and we just sit there at the, in the kitchen and she had her Bible open out. I'm going to tell you the older I get the more there is a tug in my heart and in my spirit that says one of these days that the circle of the family of God is going to be closed 
back in again. And there's things that you do in this life. Don't let your depression, don't let your duties talk you out of those things. You have got to make it to heaven. The most important relationships that you have are right here in this church here on this Sunday morning. There needs to be a connectivity that we have. Not a work of disunity, not chaos and quarreling and all that sort of thing. The Lord wants to draw us in to the house of God. Why? So that He can strengthen you. He can bring hearts and lives back into the place. And I've got just a short amount of time. I've talked to you about the depression. Now let's talk about the duties. They start in verse 29. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before thee. I have stuck under thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt, shalt enlarge my heart. I'm going to tell you this. The enemy of your soul knows that if depression can settle in on your life, then what does it do? It hinders the sacred duties that God would have in your life. You say, well, what does that look like? Here's what it looks like. It's Noah building a boat in great spiritual darkness. It's Abraham walking out to get in. It's Gideon dealing with his fear. It's, it's Samson shuffling up to those uh, pillars again. It's Jonah crying out in the belly of the whale. Know this, is that there are things that you can do in your life that that by virtue of that, there are duties that can cause you to survive. And here's one of those duties. Here's what he says. He says, remove from me the way of lying. The psalmist, what's he doing? He's calling out for his tongue to be clean. He's saying, I, I don't want to allow a bad tongue to correct to corrupt my relationship with God. And, and I don't want my tongue to corrupt even the people of God. Isaiah 52 and 11, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. So how in the world? Can you sing like a bird on Sunday and then have a week that's filled with cursing and corrupt communication? How, how in the world can you come in here and pray whenever there are harsh words and they're not sometimes just coming from husbands, but they come from wives? I know I'm digging down right now, okay? I know that. But this is why we call it church. This is therapy. How in the world can there be chaos in the home and then want to come in and, uh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I feel, man, I feel a little work of the Spirit. I'm going to just tell you this. There is a strong connection with Monday through Saturday that affects Sunday worship. It's huge. It's huge. And sometimes when you walk in here and you're like, man, I can't, my arms feel like lead. What 
is the problem is you have to do the duty of Lord remove the lion remove the lion tongues but even more God I want you to remove my lying life and it's at that matter that manner that the word of God begins uh, to really probe into your heart and into your spirit Paul Bain said it like this he said, as a fire in kindling, not thoroughly a light, it can be quenched by a little water. And so may our holiness be damped by temptation. We find within us a proneness to false ways as candles new blown out are soon blown in again. And therefore, as burnt children that dread the fire, so do we ought to fear the way of lying. Not just lying words, but lying lives. Because he says those are the duties that I find myself in. There's something else as, as well. And this is in verses 29 and 30. I won't read those, but one of the phrases there is, Grant me thy law graciously. Psalm 119 and 19, I am a stranger in the earth. Lord, don't hide your commandments and your word uh, from me. And yet TikTok can TikTok and TikTok, and the next thing you know, you've wasted an hour TikToking. I don't have time to read the Bible, Brother Harrelson, but you can TikTok your time away. I don't have time to read my Bible, but you can scroll through Facebook and you can see Aunt Gertrude has done slapped Uncle. Uh, <laughs> you start seeing things people have wrote there and you're like, I wonder what they mean. They're, they're veiled in some of their statements. I wonder what that means. I wonder who they're talking about. And, and all the while, what's taking place? The enemy is burning up your time. And if he can burn up your time, what does he do? He can burn up your life. And so the psalmist cries out, Grant me your law graciously. Lord, don't hide your commandments from me. I got some homework for you. Pull out your orange and blue pens again. And this time, instead of underlining the responsibilities that God has and then the responsibilities that you have, I want you to take Psalm 119 this week and take a different color pen, maybe red, and I want you to read through that entire psalm and I want you to pick up on, on one word, and that's the word way or the word ways. And when you work through those 176 verses, there will be times where ways pop out in your mind. He says this, he said, your judgments I've laid before me. There, there's a devotion that we find there. If you take the word and commit it to your life seriously, I'm going to tell you, it will make a difference because here's what Paul does. I take it as a promise. It's really a command. It's, a, it's an imperative. He's saying, do this. He's saying in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ deal or dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another 
another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in the hearts or in your hearts to the Lord. But, but here's what he's pointing out. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so get off of TikTok. All it's doing is ticking and talking. Colossians 3.16 in the Amplified said, Let the word spoken by Christ the Messiah have its way in your home, in your hearts and minds, and dwell in you in all its richness as you teach and admonish and train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom in spiritual things and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody to God with His grace in your hearts. And so there's a holiness for duty. There are scriptures for duty. And then I want to point out the steadfastness that comes with that. Here, here's what he says. Look in verse 25. I have stuck under thy testimonies. That word stuck there in verse 31. Rather, that word there stuck is the same one that's used in verse 25 where he says it cleaveth. And here's what the psalmist is saying. He said, I have stuck to your word. It means to be glued, to be cemented, to be welded, and to be connected. And I just want to just tell you this, and I'll conclude with this. Is that in that psalm, there are seven prayers. It's for knowledge in verses 26 and 27. It's to fix our mind on the word, 27. It's for strength in verse 28. It's for grace in verse 29. It's to set your heart on truth in verse 30. And it's to meet every trouble with obedience in verse 31. It's for a positive outcome in verse 31 as well. And so when your life clings to the dust, what do you do? You trust in Jesus. Brother Nate, could you put up, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise to thus saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how I trust Him, how I prove Him o'er and o'er. Let's stand, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Oh, how sweet. To trust in Jesus, just to trust His cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing flood, 
Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just from sin and self to cease. Just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, for grace to trust him more. Y'all keep seeing the course. I don't know, maybe you're here this morning and maybe some depression has caught up with you this week. If it has, or maybe sometimes the duties of life have caught you. I want you just to step out from where you're at. I want you just to step into these altars here this morning. I'm going to tell you, you can trust the Lord. The Lord knows exactly where you're at. Jesus, how I trust Him. How I proved him o'er and o'er. 